Open your Bibles with me, please, to the book of John chapter 10. And I think we'll do like we did last week. We'll just receive our offering at the end of this service today. Several weeks ago, we got into a series that we called No Greater Love, and, and we're still with that, but if you remember uh, back up, I don't know, three weeks or so ago in church, the Lord started stirring our hearts to believe Him for extra. Somebody say extra. extra. And you've already heard good reports about it this morning, and it just won't leave me alone. I get to praying about you through the week and spending time in the Word just before the Lord and open to Him, you know, whatever way you want to go. And this just keeps coming back to my heart. So evidently it's something we need to hear and we're in a season for it. And you've got to learn to recognize those opportunities, those windows of opportunity, if you will. Recognize it in your own prayer life. When something comes up in your heart to, to pray specifically over somebody or something, don't ignore that. Recognize that as a, a window of opportunity. You don't know what's going on in them. There might be a particular openness that they have at that moment, and the Lord's using you to pray. The Lord's using you to intercede on their behalf. So just learn to recognize those opportunities. The same thing's true with the, the way we spend our time in the Word in this church. I've never been one of those guys, one of those ministers that could just, you know, plan out the next year. I don't do well with the next two weeks, you know, I, I really, I really have a sense in my heart that I have got to stay open and flexible to the Lord. And sure enough, you know, I get a plan in my mind and we're going to do this for the next six weeks. The Lord's like, Oh really? <laughs> Watch this. And, and it doesn't typically go the way I think it does, but that's fine because he knows what we need when we need it. And if he wants us talking and meditating right now on his character and his desire to increase our lives, I mean, is there something better to talk about? Is there something better to spend our time with? So let's, let's take a little bit more time with it today and keep talking about God's plan for extra. And uh, we've been in John chapter 10 where we began this year. It was right about a year ago that we started looking at John chapter 10 and what Jesus said. And we let this set the tone and the course for this year. And I thank God that we did that because I believe we've seen it in a big way. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. This is the dividing line of scripture. This is the line that Jesus drew to define him, to define his purpose and really to define the character of God, because Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. And if you want to know the will of God for all men, for all time, look no further than the life and the ministry of Jesus. He is a revelation of the will of God. He is a revelation of the character of God. And he drew this line. And you need to draw this line in your life. That if it's killing, stealing, or destroying, Jesus didn't do it. And man, you've got to be that emphatic about it too, because I am sad to say there are so many people laying blame for stealing, killing, and destroying at the feet of God. And they call it the sovereignty of God. They call it the mysterious plan and will of God. And the book of Romans chapter one talks about people who chose, they made a decision 
not to retain God in their knowledge. They made that decision. And it goes on to talk a lot about, about a lot of things in there. Those who, who worship the creation rather than the creator. Man, are we seeing that right now or what? Worshiping this planet. Worshiping this creation rather than the creator. But he said where that started is with people who chose not to retain God in their knowledge. And it says they were instead un thankful. We know that being thankful is a good thing, but do you know that being unthankful is a bad thing? That's a really simplified way of saying it, but it is serious business to be an unthankful person. It's actually working against you in this life. And when you get down to it, there are two kinds of people in this life. There are thankful people and there are unthankful people. And you got to decide which one you're going to be. But Romans there in that first chapter talks about the result of being unthankful. It says their minds were darkened. Their foolish hearts were darkened. One translation says their stupid minds were darkened. That's blindness. That's stumbling around in this life and not knowing. One translation in particular pulls this out. It's a really interesting study when you dig into some of these words and what they mean. What it, that whole passage literally translates to is <clears throat> those who have put God on trial. Put God on trial. In other words, they've, they've weighed it out. They've, it, it's a whole message in itself. I don't want to take time to get into it. But the bottom line is there are those who have put God on trial. And this is what I'm talking about. When people accuse him of stealing, killing, and destroying, it's literally like putting God on trial. You've been accused of murder. You've been accused of theft. You've been accused of violence and destruction. And in the hearts and minds and lives of people all over the world, in the church, out of the church, God today is on trial. And they think they have this mounting evidence against him. And they say, well, if he really was a God of love, how could this happen? How could these things be happening? How could these be starving? How could these be dying? And really what they're saying is, you did it. You're a murderer. And there sits God on trial. You know what he needs? Some witnesses. Now that word witness means something, you know, all holy to you up in here in church. But you step outside the building and it takes on a different meaning to you. Listen, it's the same word. It's the same meaning. It, it literally has to do with the courtroom. A witness. What is a witness in a courtroom? It's somebody that has been called to testify. Come on, somebody. <laughs> testify. Well, what is a testimony? It's something that you have seen that you have heard. And if you haven't seen and you haven't heard, you're not a witness. You're a liar. And there's big punishment for taking a stand, having not seen and having not heard. Now, when we talk about being a witness in church, oh, let me tell you about Jesus. And that's a good thing. But you're a witness the same way you would be in, in a courtroom, in a trial setting. You're a witness because you saw something. 
You've seen, you've heard, you've experienced. And God needs some people that know this dividing line's been drawn. And if it was stealing, killing, destroying, he didn't do it. And I'm a witness that he came to give life. I'm a witness that he's good. I'm a witness that he's kind and gracious and merciful. He's not a killer. He's not a destroyer. He's the one getting life to you, not taking life from you. God needs some people to take the stand. To take a stand and to do what? Testify. Testify of the abundant life that Jesus came to give. Life and life more abundantly. Man, and if he's got some witnesses, if he's got some people that'll testify, he can be acquitted (laughs) of every false accusation, of every lying, judging tongue that's been raised against him. But you're the witness and I'm the witness of the life more abundantly, the extra life, the overflow life, the more than, more than enough kind of life that Jesus came to give. Somebody say glory to God. Say, I'll be a witness. I'll be a witness. Can I get a witness in this church? Now, the context of John 10, we've talked some about this, but Jesus is introducing himself as the good shepherd. Right? Doesn't he say that in these verses? He talks about the shepherd. We, we've mentioned this before. How he knows the sheep by name. He calls them by name. He leads them out. And he said in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Those are the first words he said after what we just read. I've come that you'd have life, have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Jesus is not just a shepherd. He's good at it. He's a good shepherd. He takes good care. Of the sheep. Now, when you start thinking about him being the shepherd, your mind ought to run right away to Psalm 23. Turn there with me. Psalm 23. You can turn to it or you can just say it because I know you know it. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my what? He's my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, what's the result of that? I shall not want. I just took, I don't know, a half hour or so the other day just sitting on the couch and I pulled out this scripture and I I pulled out my iPad and I just started looking at one translation after another, after another, after another. What's that mean? I shall not want. One says, I shall not lack. One says, I shall not lack for any good thing. One says, I'll have everything I need. And one after another, I won't want. I won't lack. I'll lack nothing. I'll lack nothing. I'll lack nothing. Why though? Because you're so smart, because you're such a hard worker, right? Because you've got such a great money sense that you'll never lack for it. No. Who do we give the credit to? Who do we give the glory to? The Lord, who is our shepherd. Because he's my shepherd and because he's a good shepherd, I don't lack. I will not lack or want for anything. Listen to this in verse 2. You remember this? What does he do? He makes me. You see it? He does what? He makes me. That sounds kind of forceful, doesn't it? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Notice what else he does in verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup does what? It runs over. Somebody say extra. Excess. This is the nature of our God. This is his character. Not to just give you a little, not to fill it up halfway, not even just to fill it to the top, but to overflow, to give you extra excess. That's his character. That's his nature. And that is exactly the word Jesus used when he said, I came that you might have life and have it. How? More abundantly. That's too much life. That's excess. That's extra. That's way more life than just enough for you. That's life for you and for some other people. That's life filling you up and overflowing out of you. And like we've said already over the last couple of weeks, our big assignment is to find out what the excess is for. What's the assignment on the excess? Your goal and my goal in this life is not just to live healed. That's a good thing. But there's more. You and I should be living so healed that we're overflowing with this stuff. And we're going, God, give me somebody to give to them what you've given me. Your goal in this life should not to just be so blessed that all your needs are met. That's a good thing. But the goal should be, Lord, fill me to overflowing so that I have to give to every good work. That's a different mindset. And you can see right here in this 23rd Psalm, he has a desire to fill the cup, not just to full, but to overflowing, overflowing. And there are those who in the name of humility would say things like, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking for a lot. You ever heard that before? I'm not asking for a lot. I just want just enough for me, my wife, my children. I just, just food on our table, just clothes on my baby's back. I'm not asking for a lot. And they say that as though God's going to come knocking going, wow, thank you. Thank you for putting so little faith in me. I so appreciate that. And they think it sounds humble. I, I don't, I'm not asking for a lot. I don't need, I don't need more than just enough to, to meet the needs of my home. Have you ever stopped to think that that is one of the most selfish things anybody could say. Nobody said you had to spend it all on you. Nobody ever said that. Nobody ever said it all had to go to you. Guys, give me a hand right here. Nobody said it all had to be spent on you. All right, pay attention right here. You have to find out what the extra is for. Somebody say extra. extra. What's that for? That's where your ministry starts. Amen. So that's what he's talking about here. My cup runs over. And he said in verse six, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Go with me now to the back to the book of John and look at John chapter six. If 
Father, we thank you for your peace today that passes all understanding. We give you glory and praise for the good work you've begun. And our brother, we call you faithful to finish it. We thank you, Lord, for the peace that guards his heart, the peace that guards his mind. You are loved by the Lord, my friend. He loves you. Your pastor loves you. Your church loves you. We bless you today in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your presence and your peace that fills up this place, that pacifies the heart and satisfies us in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Glory to God. Glory to God. In John chapter 6, in John chapter 6, it says in verse 1, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. And seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? So Jesus looks up. And there's thousands of people making their way towards him. And the first thing on his mind is feeding them. That's important. Whose idea was it to feed the people? Now you're going to find out here in just a minute. It was definitely not the disciples idea. <laughs> this is not some harebrained thing they came up with. Help me out church. Whose idea was it to feed the people? Jesus. Whose idea? Who got it in their heart? I want the people fed. Do you hear what I'm saying to you right now? Is it still on his heart today? Is it still in the mind of Jesus today to put food on the table to provide for you? You know it is. It was his idea. And I love the way he said this to Philip. Where are we going to buy bread? Where? That's the question. I've even got that circled in my Bible here. Where? Where? In other words, where is it going to come from? What will the source be? Now, Philip's answer is funny. It says in verse six, he said to him, he said this to test him. He himself knew what he would do. Poor Philip, he didn't pass the test. And of course, it's recorded here in the Bible for all of us for all time to see it. Bless his heart. <laughs> Philip answered him and said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. Now, that one statement alone is very telling. You get a lot of information just from that one statement. 200 denarii worth. Does anybody else find that to be a very specific amount of money? In my reading of this, and, and perhaps I'm wrong, but you, you tell me if you agree. Would it stand to reason this is what they've got on hand? Now, Jesus said, where are we going to go get it? And what does Philip do immediately? Check the account. Check the wallet, check the, the, the man purse, whatever it was they carried around in those days. Now, 200 denarii, check it out for yourself. That's a chunk of change. Do a little bit of study on it. That's, that's like having on hand in your pocket two-thirds of your year's salary. Is this a bunch of poor guys walking around? No. But when Jesus says, I want to feed these people, where are we going to go get it? Immediately, Philip starts looking to what he has on hand, to what they have access to right then. 
And he says, it's not even enough for us to give every one of them a little. That is what religion aims to do. Give everyone a little. Give everyone a little. And you and I are not blind to this. We are not ignorant to this. As a matter of fact, this is working hard right now to make its way into our nation. And into our government. Everybody just needs a little. It's not good that you have that much and they don't have enough. So if we'll take from you and give to them, then we'll all have a little. Be watchful over this way of thinking. Because you'll see here in a second, what was on Jesus' mind could not be further from this. He said, we don't have enough to go buy every one of them a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. Now listen to what he says. But what are they among so many? Do you hear that question? What are they among so many? I want you to notice what he did. He looked at the size of the need and then he looked to what they had on hand and he compared what he had to what he needed. And what he arrived at was because the need was so big, it makes what I have look like nothing. What is this when the need is this big? And can I tell you the biggest problem with that? It's being unthankful. It is, is um, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, giving thanks for what they've got? Is Philip giving thanks for what they've got on hand? No. And if all you ever do is compare what you have to the size of what you need, then what you have will look like nothing. And you'll be guilty of looking at what you do have and calling it nothing. Calling it nothing. I know when I was a kid, I'm the oldest grandchild in my family. And uh, as I was growing up, my, my grandfather's father, A.W. Copeland, Aubrey Wayne Copeland, was well, just a giant of a man. I mean, our family loved this man. Granddad, we called him. And um, he was famous, especially among the great grandkids, for always having something for you. You could not come see granddad without him reaching into his wallet and pulling out something. And when I was little, it was a dollar. It was a couple of dollars. As I got bigger, it was a five. It may have been a 10. But granddad was not going to let you leave without putting something in your hand. And he was always good for a chuckle. He was that kind of guy that just laughed. What are you laughing at, granddad? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You'd call him on the phone and this is how he'd answer. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> he just was that guy. Just that guy always had something for us. And I remember as a kid thinking, you know, when granddad put something in your hand and when you were really little and it was a $5 bill, you thought, I've made it. I have arrived. All my needs are met. I've got a five. And then as I grew and it was a 20 or it might've been a 50 or bless God, there were those days that granddad slipped a $100 bill in your hand. And as a little kid, you're thinking, 
I'll never work a day in my life. <laughs> look at this. Look, look at how rich I am. Look at how blessed and prosperous I am. I'll never work a day in my life. I remember when our, our daughter, Jessie, she must have been, I don't know, two or three years old, and somebody had given me a sucker to give to her. And I, I got down in her face like this, and I said, Jessie, I'll give you a choice. You can either have this sucker, or I'll give you a thousand dollars. And she goes, sucker. <laughs> See, when you're young like that, you have no concept. There's either no concept of how much money it is, or, you, or it's an inflated concept of how much money it is. Now, somehow, Jesse ended up with both. Let's be honest about that. So, who's the sucker? Uh, but I remember as a kid, you know, your, your concept of what money is, but as you grow up, and, and, and even if granddad were to be here today and, and slip a $100 bill in my hand, I, you know, I'd be so thankful for it, sure. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a grown man. You know, I got bills to pay, granddad. Come on, you know. The problem is that as we grow, we become more aware of the need. And we let the, the size of the need outweigh what we have in our hand and what the Lord has blessed us with. I think it's time to come back to those days where we get excited over a five. We get excited over something and we stop calling something nothing. This is what Jesus' disciple was guilty of doing. What are they among so many? Do you know there are people out there today with tens of millions of dollars in the bank sweating? Why? Because they need hundreds of millions. And this 10 million, when you need 100, what's that? I mean, it might as well be nothing. There are people out there today calling 10 million nothing. They're calling it nothing. And you think, well, I would never do that. Well, what are you doing right now? How do you see the 10 or $15 in your pocket right now? Well, you know, it's fine, but I need 1000 by the end of this week, or I need 1500 or I need 10000 This might as well be nothing. You're not thankful. And if you're not thankful, it will act like a door slammed in the face of God. When you call something nothing, it disqualifies you for any extra. This is serious stuff. What are they among so many. But notice what happened. In verse 10, Jesus, now put this on the screen. I want you to see this. Jesus said, what? What's that first word he said? Maybe. Do what now? Maybe. Okay, who is talking? Jesus, who is your good? Sure. And he said, do what? Maybe. Make. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What's he do? He makes me lie down. This word right here, make the people sit down. Look it up for yourself. It's actually the word to recline. In this particular time, people, when they would eat, whether it was at a table or anywhere, they didn't pull up a chair. They reclined. Literally, what Jesus said to them was, make the people lie down. Can you see what's happening? Psalm 23 
is coming to life. Make the people lie down. Now, I love this detail the Bible adds. Now, there was much grass in the place. Thank you, Bible. Now, those of you who are um, astute in first century uh, Jewish tradition and history, you, you might know this, but the color of grass in this particular time was actually green. It's deep, right? Why, you think, well, what's the significance of that detail? We'll take it all as one. Jesus, the good shepherd, said, make the people lie down in the green pastures. Thank you, Lord. So the men sat down. It says in, in number, verse 10, in a number, about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had done what? Given thanks. Hmm. The title of this message today is Turning a Little into a Lot. Turning a Little into a Lot. Thank you, brother. I got some agreement up here. <laughs> How do you do that? Now, we have said things about this. I know I've said it before, too, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but I do think there's more to it. People have said, you know, no matter what little you have, if you just put it in Jesus' hands. And it's good preaching, isn't it? Just put it in Jesus' hands. And, and there is some truth to that. Here in just a few moments, we're going to receive an offering. And, and that is the way that you and I put things in the hands of Jesus. But I don't think that is the, the total extent of what the Bible is endeavoring to communicate to us here. What did Jesus do when he made the people lie down in the green pastures? He said, bring me that. And he gave thanks for it. Now, that is the only recorded thing that we have that Jesus said about this little lunch. There was no acknowledging of the big need. There was no acknowledging of how small this was. All he did was what? Come on, church. Are you paying attention? All he did was what? This is how you turn a little into a lot. All he did with it. There, there, was, there was no, oh God in heaven. Do you see the size of the need that's before us today? And Lord, you know, we don't have enough to meet this need. You know how weak and how frail we are and how, how little we have to bring and how little we have. To... Shut that stuff up. All we know that Jesus did with some bread and, a, and some fish was give thanks for it. Thank God for it like it was enough to meet the whole need. This right here is how you turn a little into a lot. You want to know how to make a little into a lot? You make a lot out of a little. Amen. Are you hearing me this morning? This is how you do it right here. This is the key. This is the, I almost said trick. It's not a trick. It's not a trick. This is how you do it. You want to turn a little into a lot? Then make a lot out of a little. This is the door to more. This is, this is how extra comes. You get thankful for what you've got. And you start shouting about it. You start giving God thanks for it because it came from him. Can you see how different this is from calling it nothing? From looking at something and saying it's nothing? We got to stop doing that. That's limiting 
God's desire and ability to bring extra into your life. You want to turn a little into a lot? What do you got to do? Make a lot out of a little. Lord, we thank you for this Trisket. We thank you for these fish sticks. Lord, this, this is a gift from you. You did this. Without you, we wouldn't have this, but you are so faithful. You are so good. Oh, we thank you for it, Father. We worship you and thank you for it. Now, you know the rest of this story, don't you? After he gave thanks for it, what began to happen? It says he had given thanks. He distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, did everybody get just a little? They all just got enough to get them home that day. After that, it's up to you. You're on your own. No, because Jesus was thankful for what this little boy had. It began to multiply. It began to grow. And everybody ate and ate and ate and ate until they were filled. And he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Not only did these people eat enough, there was what? Extra leftovers. Yes. Come on. Anybody looking forward to Thursday this week? You about to sit down to a meal that is too much. Somebody sent us a song. I think it was Kay. Sent us a video this week of a lady singing about wearing stretchy pants to dinner on Thanksgiving. I'm not recommending you look it up, but it's a, it's a real thing. I mean, people come prepared, right? Prepared for extra, prepared for leftovers. And don't you think Jesus would have known when everybody had had enough, when everybody was filled? Sure he would have. But yet, because of the character of God, here comes more than enough, more than enough. He has prepared a table for these people and the cup is overflowing. Thank you, Lord. Gather up the fragments that nothing, uh, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. I've seen people do this in, in many areas of life. They fail to recognize the progress they've made because all they can see is how far yet they have to go. I've seen it happen materially, financially. I've seen it happen in people's physical healing. When they get told, you know, this is serious and if you don't do something... You know, your time is short, your time is limited, and all they can see is, you know, if I really have faith or if I really trust God, then all this will be gone tomorrow. And we have certainly seen God do those things. We certainly know God is more than able to do those things. But we also know this, that more than it happens like that, it happens progressively, that we get better and we get better and we get better. And there are people... Because they've got their eyes on being 100% totally healed. They fail to recognize, wait a second. I'm better today than I was yesterday. That's something to shout about. But if, you, if all you ever do is look at what you have in the light of what you need, if you're still, if the doctors say, no, you still got it, you're still sick, you're still dying with it, you're basically calling the progress you've made nothing. You're saying, 
It's not worth shouting about. And the big problem with that is it's unthankful. Not realizing that the full manifestation of your healing is on the other side of you being thankful for how far you've already come. We've seen this happen. And I'm going to encourage you with something this morning. Ask the Lord to help you see, to open your eyes to how far you've already come, to what he's already put in your hand. And if you have to, go before him and repent and say, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. I called it nothing. That's not nothing. That's you. You did that for me. You've added that to me. You've strengthened me. You've sustained me. And I'm further down the road today than I was yesterday. That's because you're good. And if you will stay with it and stay thankful, then you'll be further down the road tomorrow than you were today. And further down the road the next day than you were the day before. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? The key into getting all the way healed, to getting all the way better, to getting all the way prosperous, to getting all the way satisfied is being thankful for how far you've come and how far you are right now. Be thankful for it. Be grateful for it. And don't call it nothing. Don't call it nothing. Amen. Musicians, you guys begin to come up. I want to read one more verse of scripture to you. Go with me to the book of Jeremiah chapter 31. Go ahead, buddy. You can have a seat. It's okay. Hey, Bubba, you can go to your seat. It's all right. Jeremiah chapter 31. You're excited today, aren't you, my friend? Jeremiah chapter 31. Thank you, Lord. It's all right. It's all right. Thank you, Lord. Stay with me, church. We're almost there. Jeremiah chapter 31. Y'all go ahead and begin to play, but make it happy. Look at this in verse 10. I love this. We're talking about our good shepherd today. The Bible says in Jeremiah 31 verse 10, Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, declared in the isles of far off, in the islands of far off. I love this. This is faith right here. This prophet Jeremiah, there is no evidence that there was anybody even standing within earshot of this guy that day. And yet he is boldly saying, I'm talking to you nations. I'm talking to you islands out there across the world. And he said, this is what I want you to hear. He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. Now, this is how a shepherd keeps his flock. Verse 11, for the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. Therefore, they shall come and sing in the height of Zion. Why are they singing? Because they've been ransomed. Remember, we, we talked just a few minutes ago. If you're looking for something to be thankful for, this is it right here. There's a price that's been paid for you. I don't care what things look like around you or what they feel like right now. Come back to this. I've been ransomed. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. The highest price that's ever been paid for anything was paid for me. And I got something to be thankful for. And now because of that, these people, it says they'll come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. Streaming, not screaming, streaming. What's that mean? Other translations say they will come singing and they'll be radiant because of the Lord's good gifts. 
radiant. Like, like the words of that famous theologian, if you're happy and you know it, help me church, your face is going to show it, right? Radiant because of the, I love how y'all went straight to the claps. I'm talking about your face. I'm talking about being radiant and shining because of how good God's been to you because you got a good shepherd. Radiant because of the Lord's good gifts. Now listen to these, new, these good gifts. For wheat and new wine and oil. This is what our table's been set with. Wheat and new wine and oil. I like this word wheat. It, it, it doesn't just mean, you know, wheat like sitting in a barrel somewhere. Look the word up. It, it literally means increase. So an increase of wheat, an increase of food, an increase of provision. And one of my favorite things about this word is, is actually the Hebrew word. And, and if you're taking notes, I wanted you to write this down. We've talked about it before. But this is how you spell that word phonetically. This Hebrew word that means this increase, that describing the goodness of God, this is how you would spell it phonetically. D-A-W-G-A-W-N. Somebody, what do you got? Doggone. That's this word. Help me out. How good is God? It's right here. I'm just reading the Bible, okay? Don't get mad at me. I'm just reading the Bible. That's, that's the goodness of God. This increase of his goodness that makes you sing, that makes you shine for wheat and new wine and oil for the young of the flock and the herd. And listen, it's not just what he's done for you spiritually to redeem you. It's not just what he's doing for you physically to provide for you. He says your soul will be like a well-watered garden and they will sorrow no more at all. That means no more down days, no more sad days, no more depression, no more oppression. Why? Because I got a good shepherd and he's been so good to me. How good? Doggone. Doggone good to me. It says in verse 13, one translation says, the young women will rejoice in the dance, the young men and the old together. You got young folks and old folks all dancing together. He said, I'll turn their mourning into joy. I'll comfort them. I'll make them rejoice rather than sorrow. I will satiate the soul of the priest with abundance, with extra, with excess, with too much. I'll satiate. Do you know what this word means? I hesitate to tell you what it means. It literally means drunk. Satiate, like, like a sponge that's been submerged in water and it comes up just drenched with it. And it's the difference between somebody who's had something to drink and somebody who's had a little too much to drink, satiated, just drunk on the goodness of the Lord. And I don't know if you've ever been an eyewitness to a drunk person before. I'm not looking for testimonies, but you know it when you see it, don't you? They talk a little different than anybody else. Their thinking's not quite like other people's, right? They, they walk a little different than other folks do. But you know, this is the way our lives are supposed to be characterized too. We talk different than the rest of this world. We think differently than the rest of this world. Our walk is a different walk than the rest of this world. Why? We are drunk on the goodness 
of God, the goodness of our good shepherd. I'll satiate the soul of the priest with abundance and my people. Somebody say, that's me. Shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. Satisfied. Thousands of people out there that day sat down to a meal and every one of them got satisfied, filled to the full. And whose idea was that? That was Jesus' idea. Do we still have the same good shepherd today? Yes, we do. Stand on your feet. Let's give him some praise and thanks for it. Father, we thank you today. You have been so good to us. Come on, church, lift up your voice and thank him for it. You sound way too sober in here this morning. Not looking for a bunch of straight-laced, sober church folk. I think there's some people that in here have been drinking a little bit, had a little bit too much, get a little drunk on the goodness of God today. He's been faithful to you. Father, we thank you. We worship you and thank you for it, Lord. You have been so good to us and we thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.